Welcome to X's and O's NBA Breakdown, the podcast where we take a deeper look into teams, coaches, and trends of the NBA. I'm your host, Coach Mark Tinklenberg. It's time to settle in and enjoy as we talk about the league. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of X's and O's NBA Breakdown. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Risen Grind, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Knuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, LA Hoops, Thunderous Applause, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Plus, our coaching-focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. We're back, we're back, we're back, we are back. Episode 7, welcome to X's and O's NBA Breakdown. I'm your host, Mark Tinklenberg, and I'm here again with my co-host, Mike Herringa and Zach Walker. Before we get started tonight, I just want to take a second and remind you guys, please add us on Twitter and Instagram at X underscore Breakdown. I'm going to be 100% transparent here. We've uh, We've slowed down on the follow, so we're going to need you to pick it up, guys. Pick it up for us. And definitely subscribe and listen to our pod and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because, guys, every review you guys give us, it means the world to us. So we appreciate that. And please continue to do that. Every single five-star is important. So we are going to start this episode, obviously, with a couple things. So first thing we're going to talk about is the big trade that happened in the NBA. The NBA continues to fulfill all of our dr- dramatic needs and gives us James Harden to the New Jersey Nets to pair up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, and basically, I don't know anybody else on the roster. So that's really how that roster starts off. <laughs> They've essentially gotten rid of everybody, uh, specifically interior defense other than DeAndre Jordan, who looks about as useful as a washing machine on the basketball court so far. So we without the spin move without, <laughs> without spin. So we definitely have a couple things we're going to talk about. How does this stack up um, in the East? Where does this put the nets? Um, Rockets got involved in the trade. Pacers got involved in the trade. Cavaliers got involved in the trade. Um, so I'm going to break down quickly the details of the trade. Uh, nets, Gain James Harden, Rockets gain Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodias, Kurics. Yes. Guys, I'm really sorry. I, I gonna be honest, I've never heard of that guy. Three Brooklyn first rounders, one Milwaukee first rounder, and four Brooklyn first round swaps. So we're looking at eight total picks between draft and swaps. Um obviously a massive haul of picks. But in the long run, they didn't get a whole lot back for a guy that what we heard could potentially uh, gain Ben Simmons and a few other players from the Sixers, potentially. Um, the the Rockets get uh, – or I'm sorry, the Pacers get Karis LeVert out of that and two second rounders, and the Cavs get Jared Allen and Torian Prince, two good players for the Cavs, actually. 
I don't know where the Cavs came in on this thing, but ended up getting Jared Allen, who I think is a really good center, and Torian Prince, who's a great bench player, role player. So those are the details of the trade. Um, I'm going to start by opening up the forum to Zach or Mike, whoever's ready to jump in and give me your opinions. What does this do to the Nets? Where does this set them up? And, and how are we looking in the East? Well, I want to talk a little bit about pre-trade. How do you guys feel about how this all went down? Before we get into the details, right? We had James basically saying, look around me. Do you see the talent I'm surrounded with? This is not a good enough team. And you had some vets on that team calling him out. You know, uh, who came over from Washington this year to the, to the Rockets? John Wall. Yeah, John Wall's here saying, hey, listen, this isn't. This isn't how we do this. DeMarcus Cousins, who I wouldn't want to get in an argument with, is saying this isn't professional. And and so I'm not I'm not a real big fan of how this went down. I know if you go back a couple of episodes, you'll know that I'm not a huge fan of James Harden. I like the guy. I don't like particularly how he plays. And I, I like really, the guy. I I really didn't like this. I didn't like how this went down and he basically just called out uh, his teammates. Now it's going to end up that he gets what he wants, right? Cause what's the first question he gets asked when he goes to Brooklyn, how do you think you're going to handle playing with KD again? And he says, well, we were kids then now we're grown. Well, he didn't act real grown on the Rockets. Um, and I think it's going to be a net positive for the Rockets too. They got Vic, they got your boy, Vic, Zach, and, uh, and I think as watching watching them play these past couple of games, they're spreading the ball around way more. But did you guys have any have any thoughts? Did you get up in your feelings about how that all went down? Well, we saw James Harden in what I guess was a fat suit look like he was very unhealthy. Um, Sorry, prior I to so, yeah, like like. But all of a sudden, he was real skinny once the trade happened. It made no sense to me because that man looked like he had gone to Dunkin' and ate every donut in the place. He shut down the joint. And I don't Duncan know if that was – looked at him and said, we're going to have to have you come out of the game. Well, I'm going to need you to come out of the game. <laughs> it, um, I, I don't – I think he did a lot of what um, – Antonio Brown did when he was trying to get a, a trade from what team was that? The Raiders um, and get off that team and, and do everything he could in his, in his power to talk, do dumb things. And all of it was, is just to get forced, force the hand. Um, he was ready to move. He was ready to pick the place he wanted to go. He wanted to go to the nets. You know, the rumor, the big rumor was in, that 76ers are probably going to be up there. And again, I think for the Rockets and, and Tink, I'll go back to what you said. I think getting Ben Simmons would have been a little bit better for them to be very, very transparent. I'm still a huge Oladipo fan. I always will be. He is a Hoosier at heart and he always will be no matter what. Um, unlike Paul George, who's still an idiot. Um, so yeah. Um, but it is what it is. Do I still think that this is going to work out for the Nets? If it was, we saw what happened so far the first couple of games when it was just James Harden and KD. I really like those two together. Adding in Kyrie, I don't see it working 
a seven game series in the playoffs and going to a championship. I just don't take what you got. So here's my thoughts. My thoughts are very simple. And I, I think a lot of people tend to overthink this. They have uh, three guys that you can put two guys on, on either wing and you're going to hunt mismatches and you have three guys that can hunt any defender that they so choose based on the fact that defensively you're going to have to schematically be really sound if you're going to have an answer for all three of those guys over the course of 48 minutes. Offensively, they are going to be an absolute juggernaut. I don't think we can discount that. Kevin Durant right now is looks like he is even better than in a lot of ways than pre-injury. Uh, Kyrie, as weird as he is, you can't trust everything the media says about What's going on um, in terms of you know where he's at? Is he a cancer? Is he a strange dude? Yes, but when it comes to uh, obviously when he's on the court, he's still top two, top three most talented point guards in the league. Then you had James Harden, who who's going to be motivated now, and I, it looked like he dropped about thirty pounds in four days, uh, which, as you said, it was really bizarre to look at. So with that being said. All I think about in these scenarios is when it comes to the playoffs, what do you do in a seven-game series? We've talked about it with Giannis. We've talked about it with the Lakers. We've talked about it with multiple teams, the Celtics. We did it in our whole season preview. And if you break it down like that, the scary thing about the Nets is that if they can get hot, they can outscore you for seven games. And that's the scary part about what they can do. Can they defend you for seven games? I don't know. It remains to be seen right now. They don't have enough. They don't have enough defensively to beat the Lakers. Uh, Sixers will be an absolute handful for them based on the fact that they got Embiid. Um, will the Nets run away in the East in the regular season? Maybe. Because they're going to be really hard to go against just night in and night out against random opponents. <laughs> like The East is going to have their hands full in the regular season with that type of offense. But everything changes in a seven-game series when we hit the playoffs. So you're you're saying chemistry be damned they have enough firepower to work through any issues that they might have. Yeah, I think they have three of the top ten scorers in the league. Yeah, I think so too. But and and to your point, what does that look like in the playoffs? What happens when uh, there's a tough loss? What happens if there's any tension there? I don't know. You're right. I mean, you you do have three guys that can go out and get 40 any night and two of them could get 40 on the same night. Um, you know, I just, I was watching the game a little bit before we got on and it did make me laugh. You know, Barkley says, uh, that KD went from the splash brothers to the dribble brothers. Right. I watched this offensive set, uh, and James brings it down. KD's on one wing and Kyrie's on the other. He dribbles down to four seconds three seconds, two seconds, does a step back three from 28. Well, you're going to be able to do that. All three of them can do that at any time. They have three outs. I just wonder what happens when they hit some adversity and what those guys, how those guys are going to interact and if there's going to be a rub there. And you're right. It might not matter. I, I, I think the the biggest thing with this is with any of these guys is the mental aspect when the adversity comes and Mike, I'll kind of tag onto that is 
you have two guys that have kind of shown to be a little bit more on the mental weakness side with KD and Kyrie. Kyrie has shown that a little bit more this year where he's already said, I just needed a pause. No one heard from you. Your coach hadn't heard from you. You had to come in and already apologize to your teammates to then come in and start, come back tonight. And they're going to double overtime against the Cavs right now. It's 127 to 127. So like in a series when it actually means something, we have many more games to play. I need to see that mental toughness lock in and go against your guys' Lakers. Can they do that in a seven game series where they're going to have pressure on them all the time? I don't see it yet, but again, we got, this is what this is going to, this is the first game. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, the regular season, while not irrelevant, it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to be in. Right. So they've got however many games to kind of put some oil in the joints for some of that. And give them credit. You know, the NBA is about dudes and they got three dudes and they're not going to be, they're probably not. I would be, I think it's a 50 50 bet they make it out of the East. I think they have just as good a chance of getting upset as they do making it to the finals. Upset per se. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, but what I do think is that in a year or two, <laughs> they're going to be other ungodly i mean they're gonna fill that roster they're gonna hit they're gonna fill their needs defensively uh with role players and bigs and they're gonna surround like three dudes for the next couple years uh, next year or the year after yikes i mean if, if things continue on the trajectory they are the only problem that the nets have is the massive clashing of styles kevin durant at his best is coming off screens, uh, you know, move, moving without the ball, and Kyrie and Harden are at their best, you know, obviously in ISO situations from the top, and uh, doing all their dribble moves. And and my problem is, is they got two point guards, but they don't have a point guard. James Harden or Kyrie Irving, to me, that's the issue. Who do you have run point? Do you switch over to James? Do you keep the ball in Kyrie's hands? I don't know. James Harden, as we've seen, is not good off the ball. That is not his strength. So they definitely have some things they have to fill this year. Now I'm going to move to my boys, Pacers, how they kind of snuck in here with the whole Oladipo thing and getting Karis LeVert. Um, that was, you know, Victor Oladipo, he, I will say this. I got to give it to him. He showed a lot of class in this. He did not want to be there. Yeah, um, that is – he is – I was going to mention that he did the opposite of what James Exact did. opposite. Put his head down. He, he went to work. He yeah. let he let him know behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I, I was very impressed by that, which is why I'll remain a fan of his because he didn't do what PG did, what James Harden did. Like he actually was like, you know what? No, this isn't my first choice, but I'm on the roster. I'm going to be a part of the roster. And – went out and averaged 21 points the first few games he played with the Pacers and, and looked good. Um, and it gave us an opportunity, you know, and uh, Kevin Pritchard, uh, GM of the Pacers, has said Karis LeVert's a guy that they've been actually looking at for a while. Um, they drafted him, but it was through the the Thaddeus Young trade when we got Thaddeus from the Nets, so they ended up, he ended up going to the Nets. So that was the Nets pick through the Pacers, and he's a guy that they had their eye on, and – 
he's a stud. I, I like the trade for both sides. I think it's kind of a win-win. Uh, Oladipo gets a fresh start, and he's not going to probably be on the Rockets next year. <laughs> he's, he's not. Um, but I'm happy that he went out and scored 32 in his first game for the Rocket, Rockets. But I'll say this. Karis LeVert, we got to learn that he had that mass on his kidney through this trade. And he had no idea. So heaven's looking down on him for even having a physical at this time and finding something early. Obviously we don't know cancerous benign. We know none of that yet. He'll still have surgery or remove the mask regardless of what it is. Um, and if it is benign, that means he's still going to be here before all-star break. I mean, he will It'll be six to eight weeks probably when he's picking up a basketball somewhere in there. So I think for future, you get a 26 year old, 25, 26 year old, Karis Levert, who's really started coming to his his own. What a week ago he scored what fifty points for the Nets, something like that. We had a huge, huge game. Yeah, he carried that team for a while when everybody was out. Yeah, like he he's going to be a stud. And I think the other thing with Oladipo is he saw that he was no longer going to be the guy in Indiana. It's a collective there now. You have Brogdon, you have TJ Warren, you have Sabonis, Miles Turner on the defensive end, Jeremy Lamb coming off of his ACL injuries, just came back his first game tonight. We It's a collective where we don't need you anymore to score 25 points and hit game-winning shots. It's going to go to who's hot, and I think he wants to be more in a featured role, even if he wants to end up in Miami, which is where he wants to go. He'll be in a featured role there if he were to go down that way. Um, and add to them, but he, he gets what he wants. Pacers get what they want. I think it's a great business move for both sides. Everybody's happy. I like it. So let me hit on Karis LeVert real quick. Karis LeVert is a central Ohio kid. Uh, I coached against him when he played at pick central. Um, he played with Jay Sean Tate. Uh, he was injured his senior year, but Karis LeVert's a central Ohio kid who, uh, grew up, played on the JV team. As a sophomore, um, if I'm not mistaken, played uh, some JV minutes early as a junior, exploded when he grew about three or four inches and <clears throat> went up to Michigan, who were all Michigan fans. And we all followed him closely up there and, and really took off at Michigan, um, had a great career, but was always injured. So from the time I've known him since he was a sophomore in high school, he has been injured. He has had dealt with injuries in one form or another. It was his knee in high school. And I think a lot of that was because he was growing so fast. Um, and then it was his foot in college. And then it was his knee again last year with that brutal injury. Uh, he's come back from all of it. And the, the part I like about him for Pacer fans and just anybody that follows the NBA in general is every injury he's come back from. He's come back a better player. That's hard to do. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> that Absolutely. Really, that's difficult to do, especially in the NBA. Like, you know, he's going up against, you know, NBA players every night, and he's his game is getting better coming off serious injuries. Um, and in the bubble, he was one of my top, like, 10 players that I watched in the, in the entire bubble when he was in there with the Nets, like, single-handedly dragging the Nets um, – for a chance to to make the playoffs. Did they make the playoffs in the bubble? 
Yeah. So, I mean, he, he drugged them there in the box. I remember watching it like, good God. Um, so I think he's, um, I think he's going to be a massive pickup when he's healthy again. And I did read Zach, as you said, he, he came out and stated he had, he had no idea. He had no symptoms. He had no clue that anything was wrong. And if it wasn't for this trade, he would have never gotten examined and he would have never known that there could have been something wrong. His mom grew up with MS, I believe. And so he's dealt with this. And so I loved what I heard. We've talked a little bit about mental health lately. And I love what I heard from him saying, I prepared myself for this. I've grown up in a situation where I'm mentally prepared for this. It's another obstacle I have to face, but I'm prepared mentally and physically to get through this and come back and be a better player again. So I am always rooting for that kid. And I, I hope he takes the Pacers by storm and I hope he leads them to a, a huge playoff push. And, and shout out to Pacers front office and, and not vetoing this trade because of this and what that could do for mental psyche. If you're like, okay, never mind, We found this wrong with you. Veto, go deal with that. You're on your own. Like, no, we want you. We think that this is going to be cleared medically. Regardless, you're going to be on the basketball court, whether that is the end of the season or next season. Um, you know, shout out to them. I think that's really, really great. Um, and I'll round out this Cavs, Jared Allen, Torian Prince. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't really. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jared Allen will probably get moved. I mean, they have so many big men. I don't know if Jared Allen will stay. You got Kevin Love, Andre Drummond. You got way too many centers. Don't know what you're doing. It's like uh, it's like 2K in our fantasy league all over again, Tink, when we had way too many centers on the teams and you couldn't trade them. That's exactly what the Cavs are doing right now. They also, have, uh, they also have JaVale McGee. And I will say this. They are winning 146 to 135 against the Nets in second overtime right now. There so you <laughs> There you go. So, hey, <laughs> maybe there's something to the formula. <laughs> maybe you just need seven centers. It's like the... <laughs> so we're going against a tall team tonight, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm telling you, Colin Sexton's playing. Yeah. He's playing. He's got They've 42. Got He's got 42 tonight on Kyrie. My God. And that's going to be the problem for the Nets. Nets are going to get hunted defensively. They're going to put Kyrie in pick and rolls all night. Every team they face, they're going to they're gonna pick on Kyrie defensively all the time. Uh, but overall, I think it's good for the league again. It, it creates another superpower team, so to speak. But they have their own issues they got to face. Um, so we're going to do a little something. I'm going to let Mike start off in our next session. We've we've all kind of picked a player uh, that we focused on for this episode that, that we want to talk about um, and just kind of discuss some of the things that um, have been on our mind minds about these players and just some some uh, items to discuss and uh, let you guys hear it and and maybe give us some feedback on what you think about this. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So I'm going to freestyle here a minute. I was watching the Lakers and uh, Warriors the other night. And as a Laker fan, it's been tough. Uh, and a LeBron fan, too, being here in Ohio. It has been tough uh, watching them continually lose to the the Warriors. And I, I've mentioned before on this podcast, I am a an NBA 80s baby. I grew up in Southern California watching Showtime. And and I, I drew a parallel the other night, fellas. I'm watching this game. 
And over the last five, six, seven years, right, the, the top 50 players in the NBA come out, top 25 players in the NBA. And they had Steph up at like 12 all time on one of these, or, or you know, top 20. I'm like, there is no way he's a top 20 player. And then we had the conversation about when, you know, when KD left and, you know, he's going to go out and score 40, but they're not going to win any games. And so I'm watching this game the other night. And it reminded me of how I felt in the 80s watching Larry Bird. There is not a player in NBA history that I have disliked more watching play than Larry Bird, except for maybe Danny, for maybe Danny Ainge. Yeah, your guy, your Indiana guy. Jeez. Maybe Danny Ainge, but Larry Bird and hated, hates to, well, I was younger then. Hate, I hated him. Now, you know, 30 years later, I'm like, that was some of the best basketball I've ever watched. And I have a respect for him that has evolved over time. And now I'll catch YouTube of the legendary trash talking stories. In fact, the other night I watched when he came out and won, I think it was the 86 three point contest and never took his Jersey off and put his finger up in the air as the last ball was coming in. And I'm like, this guy is incredible. I wish I would have enjoyed it more. While he was there, I made that same connection with Steph the other night. I'm like, I can't stand watching this guy. He continues uh, to break my heart. But I'm a little bit older now, fellas. And I am enjoying this a little bit more. And I know that I'm going to feel about him. How I felt about Larry Bird, which is, good heavens, that guy was a baller. And I just wish so good. he was on my team. So good. He's so good. So there's my freestyle. I like that. You know, I, I, I kind of say the same thing about, about Steph when I think about him. It's so funny because to me, it feels like he just came into league not that long ago, but then you go, what, he's 32 and you're like, wow, we're already kind of on that back end of career then for Steph. And I feel like we just started this. I feel like we just saw him coming out of Davidson and and making those miraculous three-point shots out of nowhere. And who's this guy changing the game and how people look at it from shooting from anywhere and kids are starting to try to chuck up threes. And that's the main thing that you want to do. And he really kind of brought a new fad into the NBA on the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion. So it's, it's, it's kind of weird to think about. And it's like, I, I hate that we're, I guess I've taken him for granted to kind of add on to that, you know, it's, you know, I've taken them for granted and it's like, wow, you know, we're not going to have them a whole heck of a lot longer. He's not going to be a LeBron and play until whenever, maybe I doubt it, but it's not like we're going to get him for 20 some seasons, you know, it's it just not what we're going to do. So yeah, I, that's, that's a good point there, Mike. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I think about him real quick, Mark, I'm sorry, is, you know, you said it, he brought this new fad in and he did, but now that's how all teams are built. You know, now it's all it's all threes and at the rim. And, you know, they, they have done the numbers, the analytics, and that's and, and he helped bring that about. He, oh, yeah. he turned yeah, that yeah. fad into the way that now every team wants to play. He transcended the game. Do, uh, there is no other way to put it. He, he changed the way teams create teams. He changed the way that you construct rosters. Uh he was responsible for a lot of that, his greatness and the way that he was able to uh, 
you know, his ability to shoot from anywhere on the floor at any time um, has changed that. The one thing about Steph that I'm going to add is he, for the generation, this this generation, these younger kids coming up, anytime we do Kaufman camp in the summers, uh, all the kids come in and they all wear jerseys. Well, when I was in high school and when I was younger, it was always Michael and it was Kobe and it was Shaq. And now all the kids come to Kaufman camp and they wear the LeBron jerseys and the Steph Curry jerseys and, and Steph has stood out. And something I've always said about Steph to the kids, I've used him as a, as an example to the young kids about working. And, and he is, he is, um, he is known for his workouts, like his ball handling workouts and the way that he, he handles the rocket. And obviously it shows in games. Um, but something I've always said in summer camp is, Hey, listen, if it's not about being six foot eight, it's not about having a 50 inch vertical. Um, if you watch the NBA at all, and this was when they were winning championships a few years ago, the team that just won the NBA finals and the MVP of the league had a total of like two dunks the entire season. So you can win an MVP of the NBA uh, by simply being a great shooter, knowing the game, defending your butt off, being a great leader, and all those qualities are easy to pass along to kids who are trying to learn the game. Um, Not everybody's going to be able to – nobody's going to be able to shoot like him. But the ability to practice that and do that changes. Not everybody has to dunk in order to be the MVP of the league. and so that, that's my cool story about Steph. I always use him as, as an example for the young kids at camp. So we're going to take a quick break. Zach's going to come back and talk about his guy. I'm going to talk about my guy. And uh, we'll finish up the episode from there. So hang tight, guys, and we will be right back. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. A breakdown. I'm here with Mike Herringa and Zach Walker. And before we continue uh, the end of this episode, I just want to remind you guys, please add us on Twitter, Instagram, X underscore breakdown, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's all I'm going to say about that. So. We're going to come right on back. Um, Mike uh, just talked about Steph Curry, um, and there was a lot of good stuff there. I I actually really agree with a lot of the stuff Mike said. I think we're going to appreciate Steph even more. And, and as Zach said, it kind of feels like we just started, but we're closing down on that kind of second half of his career. We're I'm gonna also going to ask you more. guys real quick to get off my lawn because <laughs> I'm realizing that I sound like the old guy that I used to laugh at. So just get off my lawn. Your, I'm going to need you to put on your bin gay and take a seat. <laughs> I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you to get off my lawn. So right. I, I'm excited to hear what, what Zach has to say, who he's going to kind of hit on and talk about. Um, and we'll go from there. So Zach fire. I think 
all of us kind of have this guy in the forefront of our brain as the Pelicans have been a team that we've all been intrigued by to start the season. A lot of young talent there, a lot of potential there. But Zion Williamson, I want to like Zion a lot. I really, really do. I, I think exciting player, athletic, and dunk out of the gym, all of these things. He's averaging, uh, what, 20 – what's he averaging? Hold on, I'm looking it up, looking it up, looking it up. 24 points a game, 23 points a game, eight rebounds, cool. Great offensive side. You can be dominant. He shows flashes of being dominant with his athleticism. That's that's all well and good. The guy has no stamina, and obviously – he saves all of his energy for whatever short burst of offensive rebounds and dunks that he's going to do because on the defensive side, he's getting exposed. Um, it, it's kind of sad to watch because you see this guy that is this athletic and usually athleticism, you kind of like, you should accidentally play good defense sometimes. <laughs> like in my opinion, like you should accidentally be okay. Jump your way into of, a block shot. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes good defensive rebounding kind of can translate to, Hey, you can be a decent defender, but no, you, it almost looks like a lot of times his teammates spread out so he can get that rebound. And like he can, they'll go up and go get it and just to get him his stats. Because other than that, like other than on the offensive side of the ball and defensive rebounding, I'm not really liking what I'm seeing. I don't know what you guys are thinking there. Tink, I know you had some really good points uh, on that. I kind of want to hear what you're saying, especially as a coach. What you, what are you thinking about Zion? First thing is he seems to not be able to get in shape. He is extremely out of shape again. Um, he looks like he's lost some of that bounce. It, he really does. Um, and for a player like him, the way in his style, that's a scary thing to kind of face that young. Um, and I don't know if he's a little banged up. I, I have no idea. But he definitely looks when you watch him. He looks as if he's lost some bounce, um, some of his explosion. And the second part of that is, is that he is literally one of the worst defenders and rebounders as you just so touched on a little bit in the entire NBA. Terrible. It's, it's honestly, and I'm being serious. It's embarrassing to watch him on defense. Like if when you're coaching and, and his athleticism is so incredible that there is no excuse for not having 12 to 13 rebounds a game, four of them on the offensive end. And he did it early, like early on in his, in his rookie debut, he did it. Uh, and then it just completely went to the wayside. Um, he is very one dimensional. He has a lot, in my opinion, as a coach, he has a lot of work to do um, on both ends of the floor. But, but a lot of the stuff he does on offense is natural. It's just natural God given athleticism, but defense is, is want to, and, and that's a want to thing. And you can just tell he doesn't really want to on that end. And it bothers me. Well, it's, you know, I'll wrap, go back right back to the rebounding. It makes me feel um, Roy Hibbert his last couple of years where I would look at games and he would have one rebound and I would go, you're 7-2. <laughs> you should accidentally grab more than two rebounds. You should have at least six. Six is the, the lowest I'm giving you at 7-2. That's what I feel with Zion. I know he's not 7-2. 
but you can jump out of the gym, go get those rebounds, go fight for those, go, go just lock in mentally and go play some defense and lock down some people because he's got the, the talent there to do it. Mark, you said it. It's the want to, I don't buy it right now. what you got, Mike? Well, my guy's got a knee, right? It's he's, he's been working with that for years and, and he's also a solid 270. I mean, it, and that helps him on the offensive end because he can just bully, you know, he's got enough hang that you can, he can body somebody up, bounce off him, and still be able to do that offensively. But you're, I mean, you're carrying around a lot of weight to keep a 44 inch vertical. And that's what got him in the league. We heard about him in high school. And it's not because he had this tremendous skill. It's because he could jump over people and was just dominating. And then he goes to Duke for one year. He's hurt, you know, and then he's just, he's what we talked about in those prior episodes, which is what does your game look like if you lose your athleticism? And to Mark's point, I think we're seeing a little bit if he's got, you know, if he's got a bum wheel, does he have the skills to, and, and it is testament to his skills that he's still putting up 23 and eight, but he's playing, you know what he's not doing, Zach? He's not carrying the mail. He's not going out there every day and doing it. Yeah. And, and as we saw in that tweet, going to the mailman, He's calling them out, right? The mailman's coming out and saying, good old Carl Malone, you're 21. You should be playing 40 minutes. Like there's no way your, your ass should be getting that tired. That's exactly what Carl's saying. People are starting to call him out. I'm calling him out. Get it, get your conditioning in check. You know, coaching staff. I don't know where you guys are doing, but like I'm calling you guys out. You have a, you have a potential star of the NBA in front of you, like get his body right because he's going to hurt himself in some way, shape or form. If he keeps carrying this weight and keep trying to do it, his knees, he's not going to have knees. He's not going to have any kind of knees. They're gone. Yeah, they might be. Um, and I know that the old mailman's got his own things. He probably needs to worry about, but does <laughs> he, does, <laughs> he does make a good point. Um, that and it's I think it's obvious to to everybody and especially former players who who were known as the grinders, the workers, the um, who who enjoyed that aspect of the game. And that's what on top of their greatness offensively, uh, you know, Carl Malone was no slouch. Either. That guy was rolling with 260 pounds himself and he's not he's doing all the dirty work. And I think that's what he's asking for Zion to start doing to separate himself with all the God-given ability that he has. Um, so Speaking I'm gonna, of God-given ability. Yeah, we're going to hit on uh, my guy. But um, ding, uh, my guy that <laughs> I'm going to hit on um, is Anthony Davis. I'm going to hit on this in a little different form maybe than, than as to be expected. Um, but I'm going to just throw this statement out there. Um, when LeBron James is done and he's – he is no longer at the peak of his powers. Uh, and I do think that's coming in a few years. Um, 
I heard somebody say, you know, who's he passing the torch to? Who's the next guy? And you can go through everybody. And to me, the next guy is Anthony Davis. I foresee Anthony Davis having multiple MVPs coming up. I think he's just reaching the surface of, of what he can become in a few years. Um, I think he's, I think the league is his to have uh, in a few years. And I think he's closer now than he was even last year. And I think last year he took a massive step in that direction. Um, we're talking about a seven footer who can defend all five positions, who can score at all three levels, who can shoot 80% or above from the free throw line, who's going to win multiple defensive M- player uh, MVPs, defensive MVPs. I do <laughs> think, as I said, he's going to win regular MVPs. He's going to win a few more finals MVPs. His resume is going to be stacked. Um, I, I just, I think Anthony Davis is next in line. I think the league is his in the future. I think the torch is being passed to him. And that's beyond him being a Laker, just his ability. And quite frankly, he has point guard skills in a seven footer body. Uh, I know Giannis is, is similar, but they play totally different games. And uh, in terms of size, Giannis is similar, but they play totally different games. The ability is not even close, in my opinion. Uh, Anthony Davis is like four dimensional, and I think Giannis is like two dimensional. So that's just my take. You guys tell me what you think. Maybe you guys have somebody else in mind. Well, I, Giannis and AD aren't aren't on the same. Uh, they're they're on the same planet, but they're not in the same country. We're we we have a group text that we throw around, right? And Zach just put out there uh, that clip of uh, them backing off Giannis from the three point line, and he put up an air ball. One. You would never give AD that much room. He might put up an air ball, but you'd never give him that much room. AD to me is like Kevin Durant if he were defensive player of the year. He's a little less offensively skilled on the dribble, but he's more offensively skilled backing himself into the post. I mean, his footwork, you know, your boy Phil Handy's working with him because his footwork is impeccable. He, he takes it from, you know, he'll grab a rebound, he'll dribble it in, he'll dribble himself into the post, back down, and do a uh, fadeaway from 14, and it's just impeccable footwork. He is, he is closer to, if you took Giannis's defense and KD's offense and took about 8% off each of them, that's what Katie reminds me of right now. And he's 27. He is just entering his prime. He's He has just figured out how to play basketball at the NBA level. And now he's going to take all of that skill. He's going to do what the greats do. He's going to take all of that skill and match it with all that information he has in his head. And I agree with you, Mark, that he's the next, he's the next seven years in the NBA as an all-around player. And, and thank God we got him on onto a bigger platform with the Lakers so we can really all experience him. I know that because he was an all-star, they showed a lot of Pelicans games here and there, but like, no, there's no other, there's no other great show than the Lakers period. I mean, there just isn't. 
So you, you get to be on this platform to show all of these skills and really take that mantle from LeBron when it is time to do so. Um, and, and, and hope that he's just there for the long run because I've been having a great time watching him because the dude's incredible. <laughs> um, like I think he's, you know, he's turning quickly into besides the Pacers. I'm just a huge fan of pl- many players. He's turning into one of my favorite players to watch because his technique is so crisp. And I had to really enunciate technique is so crisp. Like he that is just, well thank you. Appreciate that. Um, and he, it, it's pretty amazing to see all of the different things that he can do on the court um, to, to lead a team and, and know when he's hot, where his zones are. Um, it, 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 he's, he's amazing. And, and watching him bring down a ball at seven feet is crazy to me. You know, the fact that he does have those point guard skills tank is, is immaculate. It's, it's crazy to watch. I uh, can't wait to keep watching him for many years to come. Yeah. And Last thing I'll throw out there is it's about that time in the season right now. Uh, be prepared for Anthony Davis and LeBron James for that matter to start cranking it up next next year. Seven-game road trip coming up, starting at Milwaukee Thursday night. AD's already put the pressure on the Lakers to get the win, to start this road uh, trip off right, and to set a, send a message to the league that the Lakers aren't they're not playing games anymore. So, AD, I'm counting on you, buddy. Torch is being passed to you. And I think it's time for you to go ahead and kick that into gear starting tomorrow night. What All makes right. me laugh is they have yet to kick it into gear, and they're 11 and 4. I know. I know. All right. Last session. So, hey, listen, we're going to give a little shout out to our buddy Addison. Addison is a, is a follower of our show. He's also a friend of ours. Addy. Um, Addison. Addison. Um, he sent us something um, that was something that Shaq posted, actually. And we're going to just discuss this and we're going to give our own opinions. Shaq posted, I don't care what anybody's saying. Nobody's beaten this team in seven games. And that team consisted of, at the point guard position, Allen Iverson. At the shooting guard position, Kobe Bryant. Small forward position, Michael Jordan. Power forward position, LeBron James. And at center, Shaquille O'Neal. So if you had to construct five guys to try to beat that team, first of all, is it possible? Second of all, who are your five guys that you're coming up with to beat that team? Um, They obviously have my favorite player, Kobe Bryant there already. And they have the other two best players of all time in in LeBron James and Michael Jordan. So many. Guys, I'm gonna we're gonna start there, but then they also have the most dominant big man of all time in Shaquille O'Neal, and the most electrifying point guard I think of, of all time in Allen Iverson. So, fellas, is it possible? And tell me, who are you assembling to make this thing work? I, you know, I've been I've been rattling this around in my head. You know, we I, I, when I go for my my best teams of all time, right? when we're sitting around the patio and we're like, who would you put together? There's two ways of looking at it or who are the greatest people, greatest players of all time. There's two ways of looking at it. There's the career, you know, who had the best career. And the other way I like to play it is if you had somebody in your best three years or four or five years, who would you take? And when I'm assembling an all-star team like this, 
That's what we're doing, right? We're taking at the peak of their powers, who could beat this team? My answer is I don't think anybody, but if I could switch a player out, I'd put Magic in instead of Iverson. Because at his peak, he, I could argue, I could have a, a cogent argument that Magic was the greatest player of all time for any four-year period. Okay, and, so so I agree with you. So let's run with this a little bit. So let's let's try to maybe come to a consensus because I don't think we're going to be able to come up with three different lineups to go against this team. No. So no. So I well, agree the, with you. I agree with you here. The point guard position is the number one position where I would upgrade, and I agree with you. I think Magic Johnson would be my one counter right off the bat against that lineup. So let's go position by position maybe. Let's say, okay, let's start with point guard. Allen Iverson, I'm going with Magic Johnson. And I agree with you, Mike. Uh, Zach, do you have a, a differing opinion with that, or are you on board with that? No, Magic, it'd be those two, and Magic is way ahead to me as far as overall talent and, and on-court awareness as far as distributing the ball. I think Magic takes that mantle for me. Yes, agreed. So shooting guard position, this is going to be the tough one, obviously, but we can definitely maybe find some some lethal or somebody that could counter – um, the great Kobe Bryant at shooting guard position. I don't know exactly who that could be um, <laughs> because he's my favorite. So to, I, I think we could be at a loss, but can we maybe come up with somebody that could, that could at least keep things even maybe at that position? They have him at the three guard or at the three. They have him at the small forward. They've got Michael. I mean, I don't know who I would take as a two other than that. You know, but they have it would be one of those two. And the hard part in putting them together a team like this is, you know, are we getting to the point where now we have Magic as a distributor? He didn't score as much as Iverson, but he's a distributor. Kobe and Michael in their top four years are basically the same player. Yep, agreed. And the only player that comes to mind based off Kobe himself, who Kobe always felt never got uh, the greatness kind of recognition that he deserved was prime Tracy McGrady. Ooh. So prime Tracy McGrady offensively and defensively. I feel like, you know, if, if you put all the, obviously I'm taking Kobe every single time, but he's the one guy who could at least maybe match some of the things that Kobe does on the floor. And, and even in some areas, Kobe has kind of come out and admit, yeah, I, I I could I whooped your ass in one on one, which they played apparently one time. Tracy, uh, so conveniently forgot, but <laughs> uh, but he he does kind of admit that there are some areas where Tracy was just uh, arguably one of the, you know one of the best to to do it in his in his ability to shoot over defenders mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So Zach, do you, what do you who is there anybody else that comes to mind at that position? Well, Mike said it best is to me the only person of obviously McGrady's a great pick. The only person to really like cancel Kobe out would be Michael Jordan, but yet they're on the same team right. in this fantasy, right? So uh, because you you try to break it down, you go, okay, then style. Maybe they're not better than Kobe, but oh, you know, is it somebody like a, you know, Addison put on his Ray Allen who can get hot from three point? But we all know Kobe and Michael. Once you hit a couple of them, they're not going to let they're going to come out and play defense and stop you. Yeah, like they're not going to just keep letting you shoot that three. Yeah, yeah. So it, 
there's really not a counter to it. If you hit a couple in their eyes, they're going to be like, okay, you're done. Going to need you to come out of the game. I'm locking in. We've seen them both get that bulldog look in their eye and go lock down defense. Let me get into my stance. You're not scoring on me. So to me, Jordan is that one. Um, and, and vice versa, if we go right to the small forward, Kobe would be that next one, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can throw a KD in here, depending on if you're putting small forward, power forward. I think that's the only one as far yeah, as I like talent. I like KD a lot at that position. Yeah. And I could also argue Larry Bird, as we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. at that small forward position or vice versa, small forward, power forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Because you then have to go against LeBron James. So, you know, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. All in all, this is uh, – this is not going well for, for really anybody else. No. <laughs> I mean, th- there are not five different players <laughs> no. that, Mm-mm. like, I could no. put together the I – mean, we could go your NBA 2K fantasy team and put Kareem, Wilt, Bill Russell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just go all bigs. Yeah. We could go total Cleveland Cavaliers on this. Yeah. And they're not going to beat him. I mean, those those LeBron at the four, you're not taking anybody over LeBron at the four or the three. You know, no. those those three, Kobe, Michael, LeBron, you have to have in there. No. LeBron could run point, for God's sakes. Kobe, Michael, LeBron, Kobe. good luck. You've got to have those three in there. Yep. Point guard, maybe. So let's talk center. You know who Shaq said was, was his toughest guard? The Dream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who is criminally underrated when we talk about all-time centers. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. that guy, he he'd dominate right now. Oh yeah. He 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 would crush cuz they call everything now. Yeah. And I mean, that criminally I underrated. I don't know that there is a big that had better footwork than mm. Kareem under the Olajuwon probably I guess you can kind of say Olajuwon up there but like Kareem like he yeah he he was great like he he was really really great I I don't it's Shaquille O'Neal I mean it's it's Shaquille O'Neal um I so real quick I'm gonna I'm gonna call a timeout yep yep real quick I said the dream not Kareem Oh, you did. Well, I was talking about Elijah one. Just want to appreciate, re- appreciate that. Let's reverse that. We'll, we'll catch that and post edit. But I do like that you said Kareem because obviously he's the all time leading scorer and he's a Laker and he would also absolutely. be a valid. I argument. do too. <laughs> yeah. He would absolutely hey, dominate. Uh, but, to, but to tack on to the Hakeem stuff, uh, you know, Hakeem showed me all I need to know. And I didn't even, you know, watch him that much uh, when guards such as Kobe Bryant are going to Hakeem Olajuwon's house in the summer and getting footwork instruction. Uh, that tells you all you need to know about Hakeem Olajuwon's game and what he would do in today's game because uh, multiple stars have gone there and trained with him in the summers to figure out his footwork in the post. That's where Kobe's uh, footwork down low came from. That's why he dominated guards on the block in the second half of his career. Always evolving. The list, of, the list of NBA players that have gone to him – to learn footwork is so vast and, and, and he was, he was the best. I mean, he, he absolutely was the best. His footwork was impeccable. Um, very, very, like you said, Mike, he's very underrated. I mean, like when we can, when we do talk about those all time, great centers, that, that dude was something special, something well, and, special. And he, he dominated a young shack. 
Absolutely. In those 95 finals. I mean, he took him to school. Yeah. Um, Yao Ming, maybe? No, no, nobody. Nope. Okay. Nope. Got it. Hibber? Roy Hibbert? <laughs> nope. Roy Hibbert. Abs- absolutely Roy. Roy and, Jamal Tins- and Jamal Tinsley at the point. <laughs> <laughs> but all, th- all, so all things being equal, I'm going to take that 2000, 2001, 2002 Shaq. Yeah. I mean, he's putting up 40 20s on the regular in the finals. Yeah. And, and he he's was, doing that today as well. If he's if correct. He's the same guy. Yeah. Um, and shooting probably 70% of the field because everything would be a dunk because he's going against guys like, um, the Joker who, um, can't go no. at him. No. So. And, no. and Christoph's Porzingis, who's playing center for the Mavericks, and yes. he can't even handle Sabonis. So it's no, it's bad. Yeah, he would he would destroy the league. So all that being said, we can't come up with a better team overall. We can maybe come up with a couple better positions, but maybe uh, one position just only. one only. Um so Shaq, we agree with you, buddy. Uh, and Addison, we, we don't agree with your team. I'm not even going to say that that five would be close. Yep, so nope, you, you, know what you, put, you know what you put, you and know you're just going to have to live with that. We're going to have to have you come out of the game. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to need you, Addison, to come out of the game. Come on <laughs> okay. out. So, guys, thank you. What a great episode. That was fun. Um, we are going to have a special edition um, episode on the 26th. Um, and I'm not going to say anything more about that. I'm just going to let that be released uh, for what it is. And for us on X's and O's NBA breakdown. Mark said earlier, we want your five-star reviews. We also want you to like and subscribe. We do. To X's and O's NBA breakdown. We need more and, of those. And for Mike, Mark, and Zach, we bid you adieu. Mamba on three. One, two, three. Mama. Peace out. See ya. Yeah. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of X's and O's NBA Breakdown. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, subscribe, or comment on any of our social media sites at X underscore breakdown. See you next week, and remember, Mamba on three.